Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Welcome to the latest edition of All's Caps. I am AP hockey writer Steve Wino, joined by former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. Later on, we're going to be joined by Capitals alum and Penguins Stanley Cup winner Steve Alexi. Uh, he's got some, some great stories about the one sip of alcohol he's ever had, um, some nice things to say about Carl Alsner, and actually some nice things to say about Sidney Crosby, too. Uh, but we'll get to that. Carl, uh, let's first talk about uh, the Caps and, and, and kind of where they're at right now. Uh, a bunch of injuries going on. What is your feel about this team right now? Having gone through uh, an NHL career with injuries and, and guys getting hurt and, and all that, where where do you think this team is right now? Yeah, it's it's been it's been pretty crazy. There's I know there's been a lot of teams that have had to deal with it. Uh, you know, looking looking at uh, you know Colorado, they've had a ton going on right now too, and you know they're just kind of treading water right now and. And the Caps have had a ton themselves, but they seem to be in a you know much better much better spot. And uh, you know one of the things that was we talked about being so important was it, last season was having depth, having depth on the teams. The teams that were going to do well were the ones that could uh, you know fill fill in, ha- have guys that could fill in and excel when you know, some of the bigger guys maybe needed needed some time off or were banged up, whatever it may be. And so we seem to be in that same spot right now. Um, we've had a lot of, a lot of young guys, new faces, uh, in this lineup so far. It's been, it's been, you know, kind of a revolving door of, of the way the lineup has, has shaken out. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's more than they wanted to deal with and guys that, that are key positions too, that, that haven't been able to play, but just looking at, you know, even the last game, they're having to rely so heavily on, on a few guys and, you know, over, over a grind of a season, that's, uh, there's so much that can, that can go on and you don't want to see your, your top guys, top guys injured. So, you know, it's, it's going to be tough, but you know, the, you need to see a little bit of a, a trend in, in the upward direction. And, you know, there's been, there's been a lot up and down so far. So it's, it, it's been tough to deal with. And, and the latest new, new face is, is Zach Fucali, uh making his, uh, on Thursday night, making his NHL debut. Uh, he is a big J- Jose Theodore fan, so he asked to wear number 60 in honor of Jose Theodore. You played with Jose Theodore. What, 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 what was he like? Yeah, so I played with Jose, and I was actually you know part of the same organization as Zach, too. So uh, I will just say this about Zach. Is he, he's an awesome guy. He's got his head on right. He's he's one of those happy guys being at the rink, big smile, um, You know, a really good goaltender, too, and and very focused. So I think that that, that it's really nice to have him, you know, get him between the pipes there and see what he can do. And Jose, yeah, Jose was, he was one of those guys on the team that it was like, you know, I say the same thing about Fedorov. It was, you come into the room and it's like, what, what's, what's Fedorov doing? What's Jose doing? You know, what, what can I learn from them? And, and Joe was just he had, he, full sleeve tattoo, great dresser, obviously a, a great track record in the NHL already and, and everybody knew who he was and i'll just say that you know one of the things that well first of all jose 
he was the one that got me out of my my superstition. So I'll always be grateful that that he was able to, uh, or at least minimize some of the superstitions that I had. So it didn't didn't end up being a you know take a toll on me throughout my career. But also he was one of those guys too that. I guess open my eyes to how the game is thought. You know, it's not always just, you know, play hard and play with this play with skill. You got to think the game. You got to try and outthink the players. You know, it's not you don't always have to just react to guys. You can make them do something so that your reaction doesn't have to be just a just a straight up reaction or it doesn't have to be a guess. So when I say that, the example I always tell people is um, is is in that he would he would bait me all the time. And he would he would give me blocker. I would shoot blocker. Next thing you know, I I've just hit him in the chest. And I haven't even hit him in the blocker. I've hit him in the chest because he's just slid over there and stopped it. And and then the next time he would, you know, think that he would do the same thing. Give me blocker. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go blocker. I'm going glove. And then he would just stay there. And and I would hit him straight in the chest again. And it was just things like that that I'm like, okay, this is this is interesting. You know, I I, I can't just go out there and 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 just play play on my own. I got to start playing with my head a little bit more and and playing with other guys heads and just you know trying to outsmart them and you know it didn't always work because there's a lot of really smart hockey players out there but jose is just a guy that that opened my eyes to that and you know i, I still keep in touch with him sometimes too which is great because you know it, it's uh, i always think it's nice to especially legends in the league where you get a chance to pick their brain every now and then so joe was one of those guys just very very fortunate to play with and you actually you're one of the more superstitious players I can ever remember being around. What did Jose <laughs> do? Because obviously, because even by that point that that, that I, I was around you, you were still superstitious. But what did he do to kind of kind of calm some of that down for you? Well, so so normally the goalies are the ones that have all these crazy routines with throwing balls up against the wall and catching them and up in the air and you know just trying to find it with your peripheral vision and and stuff. And but I was also one of those guys that did that stuff, and I always. I think maybe part of it was was just my workout routine growing up. We we did a lot of a lot of reaction stuff, a lot of you know vision vision exercise, and so I just assumed you know I should I should probably do this one before I play a game. It, it's it's good when I'm working out. It's probably good for a game. And and Joe saw me doing that game in game out because he would be out there as well doing a few things, and then he'd see me pull up the ladder and start running the ladder and and doing all this other stuff. And he just all he did was just came up to me and he's like, "Hey, I've been watching." been watching what you do for your warm-ups before the games and it's it's a lot man it's it's way too much i used to do things like this too and you just have to find out which things are the most important and and cut it down to that because it's it's too long of a season it's too long of a career and and you'll just you'll just absolutely blow your mind up so i was i was very thankful i think i probably took out maybe one or two things from that day on and then the next year i did like a a pretty big reset and my, my superstitions were things that were much much more manageable and not not such a you know a full-on workout before games like i was doing yeah i didn't realize jose deserves such credit for your nhl career <laughs> he really does for definitely for the mental side of the game and for giving me a little bit more longevity and i didn't have to warm up as crazy as always did that's one thing that you always notice at least i notice whenever i start my warm-up before a game if i started sweating like right away I knew that my body was tired and that I needed to be smart. Maybe don't do as big of a warm up. Be be a little bit more, you know, careful with my my shift length. And uh, and that was just something that was kind of interesting too. Everybody knows how their body feels usually within the first couple minutes of either warm up or or the game or whatever you're doing um, at pregame skate. You kind of know how you're feeling. So yeah, it's it's just interesting to uh, to know that 
know, he, he was aware of what I was doing and not, not just himself. So he's, like I said, just, just a smart guy. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned Fucali. He's, he was the, the, the goalie on Canada's world junior team. And I don't know, you were in the middle of your NHL career at that point. You're a world junior guy as well for, for, for Canada. Did you watch any of, of Zach in that tournament or, or know by the time you got to Montreal, how, cause he, this was a highly touted goalie when, and, and it has kind of bounced around a lot like, like our buddy Steve Alexi has. Yeah. So it was interesting because when, when I got to Montreal, everyone was talking about him and, and, you know, really, really pumping him up. And, um, and, and so I was really curious to see what he was like on the ice. And, um, you know, I, what I noticed was that he clearly had really, really great fundamentals. Um, but what also I noticed is that he is in a very, very hard position playing in Quebec, you know, being, being a guy that speaks the language, you know, that, that is a absolute mental grind on guys that are out there. And I think that was probably something that maybe, maybe weighed on him a little bit because, you know, also you have Carey Price as your number one. Um, it makes it, it makes it pretty tough. It seems like a mountain to climb to, to ever be the guy. And it is. And, and so I noticed that, that and, and I've listened to him talk a bunch of times since then. And I, I, uh, talked with him, actually ran into him, uh, one day at, at a restaurant in Boston and just getting to chat with him and see where he, he's at now, and where his head's at. It just seems like, you know, he's, he's just got clear eyes, you know, he's, he's figured out this thing and, and how you, you just cannot be worrying about, about all these extra extra voices and everything else that's going on and, and just play the game. And so, you know, I, I know what Zach can do and given the chance, I think, I think he can without a doubt do, do that. And I know there's two, two young goalies here that kind of have the reins right now, but, but, uh, but Zach is a guy that can easily, easily help out this team when they need something. Sure. Sure. And, and I, I didn't give you enough enough credit carl two world junior gold medals one is captain of canada we'll play we'll play world junior bingo in, in a month or so when we're talking <laughs> about the world junior tournament uh but zach Fucali is actually the answer to my favorite trivia question of all time every other player on that 2015 world junior team has a, played in an nhl game until except for zach Fucali until thursday night uh against detroit for the Capitals. so congratulations wow. to, to zach Fucali on, on joining the rest of his teammates from that ridiculous 2014 world junior team um, and so we're going to be back ne- uh, next segment with Steve Alexi uh, telling some stories. This is a guy who, who Carl and, and Steve played together for a little bit with the Capitals, uh, won a Stanley Cup with the Penguins in, in 2017. Uh, we will be back with him right after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. We are joined by old friend Steve Alexi, played for the for the Capitals for a little bit, won the Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins in, in 2017. Uh, before we get to all the hockey stuff, Steve, uh, what have, well, let's catch you up on, on what have you been doing in your life, uh, all the 17,000 things you've been up to. I like to stay busy, uh, you know, through hockey. One of the things I have, I've been able to take a little bit more full scale since partially semi-retiring uh, a year ago um, is Eastside Elite Hockey. And obviously uh, what we do is we run high-end leagues and tournaments, and I've been able to scale that a little bit since retirement. So that's keeping me super, super busy as well as uh, starting a coffee company and a few other things that I have to keep under the hat for a bit. <laughs> Steve-O, let's, let's get into that Eastside Elite because I've been hearing about this for years now, obviously. I hear hearing you chat about it, and I was just reading about it the other day. How many players? You have over 200 players in this now? How, how many teams? Yeah, we are actually uh, have far exceeded 200 players. So back in 2008, starting it as a summer league for pro college and junior guys, um, we started originally we started out with eight teams last year. Um, a little bit of a, a challenging year with everything that we're faced with in the in the world today. Um, but last year in our main league, we had 16 teams with 14 uh, a roster. Um, and that's not including, uh, that's for the main league. And then we have a high school league. And last year we had a 07, 08 uh, youth program as well, um, where we had four teams there uh, in, in each of those. So we deal with uh, with a number of, of players um, through a number of different leagues and tournaments. Holy smokes! I mean, so so one of the things that that I that I love about uh, about you, Steve, is is that you're always you're such a great networker. You're always thinking about you know post post hockey. It seemed like you're always thinking about post hockey and making sure that you had a good good foundation, which is you know what I love too. And I feel like you know that was that was something that we really gelled on. And why well, no? This is funny, actually. So, just the other day, I get a text from Steve-O just saying, "Hey, you in shape or are you not in shape? You've been skating. What's going on?" And sure enough, now we've met, we're making plans. Me, Steve-O, Mike Green, and then Mike Harrington, who was one of the trainers of uh, with the Caps here, and we're going to get back on the ice here and start to get in shape. But Steve-O is our benchmark. This guy's always top in shape. Always the guy that. If we were at the hotel pool or whatever, peels off the shirt, he puts all of us to shame. He's the only one that looks like a professional athlete. So he's going to do it to us again. I'm getting a little bit nervous. Are you guys thinking of coming out of retirement here? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> Maybe a men's league team. What do you think, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think with the crew that we have, and, and I know your work ethic, I think you're selling yourself a little bit short there. Um, you know, but I, I think with our crew, we could have a pretty decent, uh, maybe a senior C team out there in D.C., <laughs> the only thing, the only thing I'm worried about is that if there's any sort of stiff breeze with your skin, you're gonna get that cut up face and bruised face like all over again. That was all, one of the funniest things. As soon as the, the season started, your face looked—it <laughs> was amazing how how many bruises you had on that thing. Well, I'm I'm gonna get into a funny little story I didn't want to share with anybody, but for this. Uh, for this conversation, I feel it's only right. So as I'm getting back into shape the other day, I'm, you know, I'm getting back into it and feeling good riding the bike and I'm head down churning. We're doing 20 second sprints. And, uh, the, the gentleman who's training me is, uh, he's stiff. He's, he's hard. So exactly what I need right now. 
I've got my head down and I'm churning. And uh, about uh, 12 seconds into the 20 second sprint, head down, I crank myself in the head with one of the bars. Hand on top of the head, I'm bleeding. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, only, only, only me uh, would, only I would find some way to to bust up my head working out to get back ready to play. So uh, that's amazing. Still, still find a way to 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 be cut, bruised, or or something, or or both. So. No kidding. Doesn't surprise me one bit that you have that going on. Um, this was, uh, so I, of course, got to do some research nowadays with, with all the guests coming on. And I didn't realize this, but okay. So you, to, what was, was it 2008, 2009? Is that, was that your first pro, pro year? Two, the, 2009 was my first pro year. Yeah. So I got a little bit of a late start there. And um, the whole story leading to my pro career is kind of crazy. So pushed me back a little bit, but 2009 was my first year. First, first year. And then between 08, 09 to 2012 <laughs> and 13, correct me if I'm wrong, but you played for eight different teams in the coast, the IHL, AHL, and then making your way to the NHL. Yeah, it was, uh, and it seems like 20. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, glad that you, I'm glad that you reminded me it was only eight, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, it, was a, it was a, it was a pretty challenging, uh, little bit there. Um, in the, in this, you know, the story leading to it, I was very fortunate to, to play college hockey, but, um, didn't really have a resume there and, and wasn't a household name by any means. And, didn't want my college experience to be my last hockey experience. So I decided to give myself two years out of college to, to just try to play pro and didn't really know what that even meant at the time. Um, knew that I had completed my education and, and, and gave myself a two year grace period and stepping into pro my first year, getting cut three times. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. And I started to go to job interviews and uh, the second year was, was much of the same and then got an opportunity and just kind of, decided that I'm going to give it a couple more years and, and things ended up working out. One of the things that, that no one else, maybe but me, cares about here is that when you signed your, your first contract with the Capitals, Adam Oates and, and George McPhee signed you, I actually broke that story when I was covering the, the team for the Washington Times. So I, I was immediately invested in, in your career from that moment on. What was it like getting that call, your first NHL opportunity, your first NHL contract? It was it was surreal. And you know, when you go back to the the whole story and, and I didn't touch on it previously, but I played college baseball out of high school. So I played a year of college baseball. Um, didn't, you know, didn't love it at the college level. It, it was a lot. And being from Michigan or six months out of the year, we're practicing indoors and practices are six hours and it became very long and very, very routine. And anybody who knows me knows that I, I, I like constant excitement and, and something different. And that's exactly what hockey provided. So, um, you know, for me, that signing and, and, and when George and, and Adam gave me that opportunity, it was like, you know, all the stuff I went through my first year pro, all the stuff I went through in college, the decision I had to make between baseball and hockey, you know, everything leading to that moment, um, you know, that it was, it was kind of, that was kind of the climax of everything was, was just signing that. And, and then whatever happened from there, I mean, I remember how excited I was when, when Hershey decided to give me an opportunity and I, I signed my first American league one way, um, you know, my fourth year of, of pro after everything I had been through, um, you know, for me, that was a great accomplishment. And then, you know, just being a part of Hershey and the whole city and, and the organization and, 
um, it really allowed me to enjoy hockey and, and have fun and be a part of something. And I think I was having success that year because of the people around me, you know, throughout the whole organization. So um, to, to sign that NHL deal was something I never even thought about, um, you know, and it was just kind of, there were so many steps that led to that signing that it was really, 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 really special to me. And, um, you know, the organization and the people involved, um, you know, from A to Z, are, are people that really hold a special place in my heart. You know, I I was super impressed by, you know, you were maybe crushing a couple of Red Bulls every now and then, but <laughs> ne- never any beers with the guys. I, I'm always curious, well, two things off of this. One is, you know, well, if you you would still always want to come up with the guys and be around the boys because, you know, you're that guy. You're, you're just a, an awesome teammate. You want to you wanna spend time with people and get to know them. But did it ever... Did, I don't know. How did you always? How did you feel about seeing you know the guys get on, get on the plane and and have a beer, or on the bus and have a beer, or go out and, and you know do what they're doing, uh, you know whatever whether it was on the road or at dinner. Did that ever go through your head that you know maybe I have a little bit of a leg up on these guys because you know the clean li- clean living that you got or, or just seeing the other guys thinking you know, you know what are they doing because you know I thought that myself too sometimes you know the nights where you know I knew I'm I'm gonna really. I'm going to really be smart here and, and, and treat the body right. And other guys not necessarily doing that. Did, did it ever go through your mind thinking, what are these guys doing right now? Well, I can tell you this right now, now that I'm, I'm partially retired, I can let out my secrets. And I think uh, a big part of my career was being the best guy when everybody else was hung over. I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would go a hundred percent every practice and I'd go 125 when guys were, guys were, uh, <laughs> Feeling a, a little bit under the weather the night before, and in and and you know all seriousness, it it was something that you know, and, and everybody kind of asked me, and uh, you know, it's not it wasn't a big part of it, but me as an as a as a guy with I needed every advantage I could, and and I needed to limit any distraction, um, in every distraction I could. So, you know, for me, that was just one of those things early on in my life, I decided to kind of stay away from it and, and, and just focus on what I needed to focus on. And I think, you know, a guy like me that was constantly up and down and, and, you know, like you just touched on it from the, the IHL to the East coast league, to the AHL, to the back all over the place, I needed to give myself the best chance to succeed. And that was one of those things by eliminating that I always felt my best, um, you know, in, I joke about it, but there were practices where some guys were, were feeling a little bit under the weather and I was, I was full go. And, 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 and for me, that was just a very, very important part of my career. And I felt I never needed that to be social and I could go hang out with the guys and, and, and do everything they were doing. But when it came down to it, I wasn't in a position and I didn't have the skill set where I could afford to go out and, and, you know, have too good of a time and, and, and feel it the next day. I was a, I was a guy who had to be a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And, um, you know, that was one of the reasons that I, I just kind of shied away from that, but I still did have a great time with all the guys and I, and I, I was able to do that. And it was something in my personality I had to develop being able to be social, hang out in those environments and, and, and not do it. What, what was your first drink of alcohol? Was that out of the Stanley cup? That was my first and last and only, unless I win another one. And so I think it's probably my last sip. Um, but, uh, but yes, that was, that was my first sip of alcohol at 32 years old. And, and that's the only, only sip of alcohol I've had was out of the Stanley cup. And, um, you know, I, I know it's, this is all cop caps podcast, but I, I can, 
talk about it a little more. You can. Since, That's okay. Since you guys got the Stanley Cup uh, a, a year later, but um, I got a, I have a super super cool picture of of Sid dishing up you know my my one and only sip of alcohol and um, you know it's a very very special moment for a lot of reasons, but being that that is the only sip of alcohol I'll ever have in my life. Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a very special and he actually signed a couple pictures for me and uh, it was a very special moment in, in or out of sports, um, you know, knowing everything behind the, the meaning of that first sip. So that kind of, that, that leads me right into the next question that I'm sure you get asked all the time because you're one of the, the few guys that's had the unique, unique opportunity to play with and against, you know, Sid and Ovi. Um, give, give, give us all the, the difference. What, what's your perspective on those guys? Because they can, they play very different roles on the ice. I've heard a lot of stories about Sid. You know, he's one of the guys that I, you know, hated every single year until I kept hearing guys that have played with him and given us some, you know, some backstory on him being a good guy and this and that. I didn't want to believe it. And so I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion on, on, on the ice, on the ice and off the ice between those two guys, because it's, I mean, he gets so much credit for being, you know, Captain Canada, a great leader, this and that. But at the same time, I think, you know, you tell me being able to let loose and, and have fun with the guys and, and be a good personality. So I'd love to know the difference. And then what you see, what you saw on the ice too, because like I said, they're completely different, different players. And, and, and that's coming from a hockey guy. You understand that they're very, very, very different players. You understand, um, that they're they're both great leaders right but they both share very different leadership styles right um you know sid is a guy who's not he's not going to come in and, and kick down doors he's going to lead by in i love to use him for an example all the time as as you know i use ovi as well but sid is a kind of guy who everything he's accomplished and everything he's done and um my time in pittsburgh he was still the first guy on the ice and still the the last guy off the ice, you know? So is he extremely talented? Absolutely. He's not going to come and yell and scream when he says something, he means it, but he leads by his, you know, by his play and in, in, in his habits. And it's very, very contagious in that locker room and that whole organization. It kind of sets a standard. I know it set a standard for me going over there from Washington from day one and about that culture. It doesn't matter if you're there for one day or, or 10 years, you know, you fall into that. And a lot of that comes from his habits and, and, and things like that. And playing with Ovi, he is such a dynamic player that, you know, his leadership style is the ability to absolutely, um, you know, score clutch goals and, and, and make game-breaking plays and, and things like that and and still be able to re relate to the guys, right? And maybe a little bit different manner, but still relate to his teammates and, and things like that. But, you know, he... His leadership style is, is you know, more putting a team on, on his back and, you know, at certain and, and clutch times. And, you know, Sid's was more, you know, the same stuff day after day after day and the habits and, you know, the fine details. Um, you know, so playing with both of those guys are both incredible leaders. I learned a great deal from both of them. Um, and I use them all the time because they're, you know, the two best players of our generation. And they're two very different players, two very different leaders and both very, very effective. And I think, you know, all the Caps fans saw the, those results of, you know, Ovi and how much he's changed and developed as a leader when you guys w were able to win that Stanley Cup, right? I think everybody can agree that he changed as a person, as a player, and ultimately, you know, you were able to get the results you wanted with that. 
My my favorite part about bringing people on for this is to for, is Carl Alsner stories. What is your best Carl Alsner story from your time playing with him? You're gonna put me, you're gonna put me on the spot, but uh, to go and I'm gonna rewind a little bit, not to bounce all over the place. But you talk about my career and my career path to the NHL. It was a crazy path, but a lot of it wasn't about me. It was about the people around me. When I fell into a, a position in Boise, Idaho, I had an unbelievable leader in Marty Flickle, who at that time I was struggling to find confidence. I was struggling, you know, I had got cut twice and before I went out to Boise. He was an older guy, he took me under his wing, showed me what it was like to be a pro. Had I not had him early on in my career, I don't think I would have had the success I did. And then moving through, I had some other great leaders. And, and, and you talk about Carl Alsner, and this isn't because he's on with us. I will tell anybody this, and I have a number of times. The first time I stepped into an NHL locker room was for my first NHL game. I had never been to a, a, a prospect camp. I had never been to a rookie camp. I had never been to camp at all. Stepping in there with that group, Alzi was one of those guys who really, really, really took me under his wing, showed me what it was like at that level, um, created a nickname that I think faded really, really quickly, other than for a couple people, but really made me feel welcome. And, you know, when you talk about stories and favorite stories, I like to, to share what people have done for me and how much they've helped me. And he was probably one of the biggest influences in that locker room. And one of the reasons I was able to come there and, and, and play and be myself um, just the person he was, and, it, and it, he's such a genuine person, uh, to step into a locker room full of guys I didn't know, and him to show me that love um, and teach me all the things, and then, you know, created a nickname. Alzi, you can probably share that nickname. I don't think it's come out in the last eight years, but... Uh, I, I leave those things up to the guys. Whatever they want to share, they're go, they go ahead and share. I don't want to expose anybody's stories on here if I don't... If without without <laughs> making sure I've done lots and lots of due diligence. But hold on, before we get into that, let's talk about Marty Flickle. What a name that is. What was the nickname with Flex? Was that was that what it was? Yeah, it was Flex. It was Flex. Oh. And, uh, I recently, <laughs> I, I recently, I, the, the crazy hockey world. When I actually left Boise, I was there. There was an AHL team that was trying to call me up, and my coach at that level wasn't letting me go. So. Ultimately, I ended up packing my whole apartment and I showed up to the rink for practice and I said, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for me, but I'm going to take this opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, I'll recalculate after. And I showed up to practice in Boise and this is back in 2010. Uh, 2010, I showed up to the rink and I left from the rink and I never never turned back. And, and fortunately, things worked out with me in Bridgeport and I stayed up the rest of the year. Um, but I hadn't been back in, you know, 10 plus years. And just recently I played an alumni event out in Boise, Idaho and reconnected with, with Marty Flickle, Flicks. Um, and, 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 and we kind of rekindled the friendship. And when people are going different directions, it becomes a little bit challenging for us athletes, but we rekindled the friendship and, you know, we had a great time out in Boise and now we're planning a couple vacations together and things like that. And he was, he was a guy very much like yourself, Carl, that really, when I look at my career and, and, you know, the, the success that I was able to have, it's because of guys like you guys. And, you know, I, I truly cherish and value that. Well, I mean, really appreciate it, Steve. I think that you brought, you brought all those things that you said about me, you brought them yourself. So, you know, I, I think uh, that's why we're going to get along well in our, uh, whatever we're going to call it, the, the Joe Schmo uh, 
uh, workout league that we got going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the replacements is already taken, so I don't think we can use that. But we'll come up with something clever and creative. Yeah, uh, one of you guys, definitely... one of you guys can drop the gloves, and one of you can't. So I, I just just from watching you over the years, I, I know who's going to be the enforcer of this team. We actually, I would have needed you the other day, Steve-O. Someone, you know, my first ever experience at uh, at a post caps game where uh, where people were getting into it. It was, it was quite the interesting night. <laughs> I think those days are behind me, but if you need anything, Alzi, you know I've always got your back, buddy. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one more question then, Steve. Uh, yeah. What's the what's the most memorable fight you were ever in? Oof, uh, I would have to say the the most memorable fight would have to be, and there's a lot that goes into this, but the most memorable fight was definitely the line brawl with Philly. I'm sure all Philly fans remember that. I'm sure all Washington fans remember that, but. Uh, you know, tell that story. Me and LeCavier got tangled up, and I think I did a did a bit of damage there. But with all the nonsense that was going on and everything that was going on at the time, um, that's definitely the most memorable fight. And you know, when you turn that page, everybody was watching Tom Wilson and, and, and Wayne Simmons fight. We had no idea that Ray Emery had come down and it had grabbed Holpe, and it was all behind us, and not one of us had saw that you know yep. until we turned around and and, and and we rushed in there and then obviously i got paired up with with le Cavier and um you know being a part of that and looking back at that whole situation we don't see that a lot in today's hockey uh it's not like it was back in the old days where that was that you know that happened much more often um you know so to be a part of something like that that's the only line brawl i've ever been a part of uh that is hands down the most memorable fight for me yeah, very memorable for me as well. That was one of the ones that I was, uh, it's like you, you, you kind of want to be a part of it, but you also don't know if you want to be a part <laughs> of it. It was, it was fun to watch. But this is another thing, Steve, that we, you know, trying to figure out a good name for. So we'll take any recommendations you got. But um, trying to ask a few questions to everybody that comes on. I'll give you a fun score, a little, some points at the end, even though the points don't matter. Um, but I'm going to hit you with a couple, couple tough ones. Let's see what you come up with. So, Sounds like uh, my career, Carl. Points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we all have fun. The points don't matter. That's exactly what it was. We called the Steve Alexi career questions right here. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. um, <laughs> okay, so the first one here is a lot of a lot of plane rides. What was your go-to thing to do on the plane? Some guys read, some guys play cards. What did, what did you like to do? I love to play cards. I'm a card addict. Um, when we were in Washington there, I obviously wasn't in the card game all the time. So we had a good group of guys that played risk as well. So always prefer cards, but I, I had to learn the game of risk. And I think Wojtek Wolski took about $300 off me in about two plane uh -huh. trips. I said, maybe I'm not so good at this risk game. <laughs> I will vouch for the risk game. That was, that was tons of fun on the plane. Me and Biggs would get into that every now and then too. Oh yeah. So, okay. Next year is, you know, since we're going to be uh, doing some some training together again, I need to know these two things: your favorite exercise and your least favorite exercise in the gym. Oh, my favorite exercise would probably be uh, the dead man's pose. Uh, I love that one. Nice way to wrap up the old <laughs> work workout where you just lay there and melt into the ground. Um, that's probably my. I think, favorite. I think we call that shavasana. No, <laughs> you can put a little spice on it, Carl. But for me, it's the dead man's pose. Uh, and I was, you know, I'm never. Uh, I, I was built for uh, to go long distances, not not go fast. And so, any sprints, any bike sprints, or anything like that, those are probably my least favorite. 
Agreed. Totally agreed there. Okay, this one I was thinking about last night because I was trying to trying to figure out what my answer would be, and I feel like you're a perfect guy for this. Would you rather play five full seasons in the NHL and win a Stanley Cup or 15 full seasons, have a really solid career, but never win a cup? Wow. That's, that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> Let's see. I think I think there's a lot that goes into that question, Carl. I'm going to rebuttal yeah. on that. It depends on what city, your teammates, yeah. monetary. Um, there's a lot of things that go into that. But but obviously, being a part of the Stanley Cup, you know, and uh, was really really special for me because once again, I talk about so many people that really helped me. And there was a lot of times throughout my career where I felt like giving up. And um, you know, I more or less played for the people that were supporting me. So sharing that Stanley cup with those people, uh, that, you know, gave me the best chance to succeed, that being my parents and, and people who supported my whole career, sharing the Stanley cup with them was definitely something that was very, very special. And I wouldn't trade it for a 15 year career. So I'd say five years with a Stanley cup. Five years with a win. Totally makes sense. And that was the exact same argument I had last night was it all depends on the team that you're with. So <laughs> we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Okay. So, Let's take risk out of this, the game risk. What's your favorite board game? Ooh, trouble. Um, <laughs> I, have a, I have a group of buddies from DC that I met <laughs> while I was playing for the Caps. And uh, when we all come together, that is the number one board game we play. And we play high stakes trouble, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and also I got Nathan Walker onto it too. Uh, me and him used to, we used to play for coffees back when he was a first, second year guy. I think that wager would probably change now um, since he's had the success he has. But uh, yeah, trouble is is definitely my go-to and not afraid to to play for a little little fun. It's fun getting into trouble. I'll remember, always remember that slogan. It was a solid one. <laughs> here, last one here for you. So besides, besides East Side Elite and it's Elite Coffee, I believe, right? Elite Coffee? Yeah. What product would you love to be the face of if you could choose any product is it is it louis vuitton because that's the toque that you have on or, or is it something else <laughs> you can't say this on the podcast because i can't see you guys' faces you can't, you can't be i look like i'm in a jail cell here too um but but coffee there there we go. <laughs> there's uh, mine tofino here we go now we are now we can't end it like this but uh yeah, I'm, I'm super, super, super into to fashion, and I can probably thank one of your teammates for that. When I first came to you guys, I, I had the old garbage bag fit, Steve Harvey suit on, and uh, being around, <laughs> being around, being around Braden, he kind of opened me up to a different, different direction as far as fashion and something that I really, really like. And um, actually, a, a very good friend of mine makes handmade hats, and it's kind of been my staple. I don't have one on right now. But if I could be the face of a brand, it would probably be Lash LaRue. Uh, he does the handmade hats that I love to wear. And then uh, also another good friend of mine, Esquivel, uh, makes handmade shoes and boots out in L.A. And I always wear those too. So I would love to be a face of a couple <laughs> brands that um, it's all about the craft of it, right? And, and that's one thing I've always loved is, is the craft of, of nice things. And, and, you know, every cut, everything is hand sewn and, um, so I, those are brands that I would love to represent if I had the opportunity. I would have guessed oh, Jets Pizza. That, that Jet, Jets Pizza was the place you worked at right before uh, before hockey. Were you Jets owned? Pizza. Remember this? Jets Pizza was my first job. It was I was there for about four or five years, and I can tell you this: when I got cut three times my first year, I sat down at Jets headquarters with 
uh, Eugene Jets and I talked about running uh, three pizza joints and that was kind of my future at that time. And, um, you know, luckily not long after that, that interview, when we sat down, um, some things ended up working out and I got a chance out to go out to Boise and I put the old pizza, pizza future on, on the back burner and, uh, was fortunate enough to make a career in hockey. Oh, interesting. Jeff's pizza. I like it. I can still it. throw a pie swing. in the air, though. I can still throw a pie in the air. Next episode, Alzi, we'll get you in a Jets and we'll we'll throw some pies in the air. That's That definitely needs to be proved. I need to actually <laughs> see that happen. I will not take anyone's word for that. Throwing dough in the air is not easy. So No, I Thanks actually, me. we go back to the old Caps program. If you, if you check it out, my first job was pizza chef. I put a little spice on it, you know, make people think I was way more important than I was. Uh, but I put pizza chef. So uh, that was that was my my childhood. That's absolutely amazing. All right. Well, that's all we have. That's the six questions there. So let me just add up the total here. Carry the one. So 101. 101 points. You're the first person to break 100 points, Devo. And that's... Uh, because I really, really respect question three, the five years and win a cup. So that was a good answer. Uh, it definitely uh, brought you over the mark. So congratulations on first place. You never know how long that's going to last because I don't even know how long, matter how I add up these totals, but congrats on 101. <laughs> and that was an absolute blast. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys are awesome. Thank you for having me. And I'll slide you that 20 for the 101 points later, buddy. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks to Steve Alexi thank, for, for thank joining you. us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Carl Osner for his Drew Carey routine, as usual, on the whose line is it anyway situation here. Uh, we'll be back with, <laughs> on we'll be back on all caps. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to All's Caps. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Osner. I, I see Alexi was never hungover playing. Did, did you ever have to practice hungover at some time, point during your NHL career? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, a few times. Well, there's always times where you have rookie party and, and of course the coaches want you to sweat it out the next day. So, you know, they're very mindful of, of you and how you're feeling and, and how hard to push and how hard not to push. And, um, yeah, there were, there's a couple, a couple things that we had, a couple unwritten rules or, you know, you, you don't ever want, really want to go too hard on somebody in the corner after, <laughs> after a big night out, you wanted to kind of give them a little bit extra space and, Another thing that was always important, not, a, not necessarily everybody followed it, but we always like to say slap shots and hard passes because that's a way to kind of fool everybody that, that you don't feel good. So make sure that all your shots are hard and all your passes, you just absolutely rip them. So then that way it doesn't look like you're just going through the motions and it, it's, you know, it's like when a puck hits the glass, it always seems like a harder shot than maybe it is. And so that was one of the things that was important. But I, I remember some guys, there were some guys that just could not practice after after a rookie party or or whatever it was and i remember one guy in particular who um on, on one drill he came in and he took one shot from probably the top of the circle and he shot it out of the rink over top of the glass into the net and then the next shot on the exact same drill came in to take another shot toe pick face planted on the ice 
and then got sent off the ice after that. I remember thinking like, oh, holy smokes, this is why you do slap shots right here. Just keep it simple and and keep it nice and nice and flat on the ice. So it was there was a lot of times like that. And even I mean, it's crazy to think, but like even in even during games, like some guys don't always treat their body, you know, necessarily the right way. You get you get caught up in a in a city that's got a really great vibe. Like I'll always say Nashville. Nashville's one of the places where you know, you, you go, you stay like right on the strip there. And so you want to go out and listen to some live music. You have a, have a few pints. And then next thing you know, you probably had maybe five or six over three hour period, whatever it is. Then you have dinner and this and that. And then next thing you know, you, you wake up the next day, you're like, holy smokes, I had, I had way too many beers the night before. And now we got to play Nashville, a team that comes at you super hard. And, and you're, you're a little bit worried, but one of the things about playing guilty is that you play a little bit harder for some reason. I don't know what it is, you know, just trying to play off that guilt. And, and I feel like I always had some of my best games in Nashville after, uh, after listening to some live music the night before. So I, I wouldn't recommend it, but there, there, there's a little secret sauce in there, I think. Uh, the, the playing guilty reminds me of a, of a great Alan May story that 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 years ago when when the Capitals played that outdoor game against the Maple Leafs in Annapolis, uh, a few of us decided to rent a house uh, walking distance from the stadium. Um, frat party might be a good description for for kind of how uh, how that night went for us. Alan was there with us until four a.m. I believe on the Saturday night. Had a seven a.m. alumni game and had a hat trick in that game. <laughs> that's amazing to, to, that's tough to do to show to show what kind of player uh, a 24-hour player alan may is uh that's one of the that's one of the better kind of at least dc hockey media stories that we've been telling over the years yeah that's pretty impressive what is it like what's that car race is it le mans or whatever where they're they're driving for uh all hours of the night alan may he'd be my pick then for uh a Le Mans style hockey game. If you can play play like that, that'd be impressive. And and and, and he said and he said to me after that we, we we were grabbing a beer somewhere and he said he said sometimes you have to play guilty and and amazingly <laughs> in, the, in that alumni situation he did. Yes, he did. That's that's impressive. I, I mean, I never stayed up that late the night before a game, but I'm sure there's been a, a few guys that have. Yeah, and 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 for those who have not or are new to the, the podcast, Carl told a great few rookie party stories on the last episode, and about a, a coach in Montreal he had who basically wanted him to take eight thousand strides on a practice drill to make it look like he was trying hard. And and so if you haven't listened to that, listen to that. We're going to tell some more Montreal stories in a couple weeks. Is that okay, Carl? Oh uh, yeah, that sounds good. I got I got quite a few of them. I don't think we have enough time for all of them, um, and I'm not sure how many. I'm not sure how many of them are going to make the air without you upsetting everyone in Montreal. But we're going to yeah, see. That's exactly it. We're going to push the envelope in a couple of weeks on on a few of those. Uh, but let's let's back to this team now. Uh, this is not all these injuries and all that. Uh, Anthony Mantha's out. Nick Dowd is out. Uh, T.J. Oshie. We, we know about Nick Backstrom. So you got all these rookies in the lineup. Uh, what do you? I guess the the question for for me to you, Carl, is what do you remember about your younger days when it was four or five rookies on a team, and that was by design, where George McPhee was building up a team that that had young guys. But what is it like when you've got an infusion of, of nineteen to twenty three year old kids around an NHL locker room? What, what what is that feeling like? Yeah, well, so it's it's interesting because if you if you just look at a team like that on paper you know, as, as the other team or as the, you know, the, the opponent, uh, you know, doing their pre-scout and you see all these names on the board that you don't really know. You think, you know, 
maybe easy night. You know, that's kind of what goes through your head is we're going to, you know, take advantage of these guys with no experience. But that's not always the case because all these young guys, their leash usually is, is, is quite a lot shorter. They have something to prove. They have got fresh legs typically and, and they're going out there and they're buzzing around. So that's the thing with, with having a team full of young guys is they all feed off of each other and they all have fun. Yeah. There's, there's nerves and stuff and you, and you, you want so badly to, um, you know, play to your ability and impress, impress, you know, the, the other guys on the team, but also the coaching staff and the GM watching because you're trying to cement your position there. But, but just being around the rink with, with other guys that are in the same position as you, the same age or roughly the same age, it's the best. Like everyone always said that about me and Carly, like, what was it like being, being D partners at such a young age and, and being a defenseman in the NHL is, is, is tough enough as it is. And then being a, being a young defenseman is, is also very tough. So you need to have, you know, you need to have confidence in your partner and you need to have a good relationship and chemistry and, and the fact that we were both two young guys just doing all this stuff, literally doing everything together. We were we were on the ice together in practice, in games. We would go to all of our meals together. We'd drive in the same car. Like, you don't really have much else going on away from the rink. So you guys just form these these just really, really great bonds. And and I've said it before, like we got we have such a good crew of, of guys from those years. We call ourselves the chums because we were literally together all the time and we wouldn't, we wouldn't leave. We had these stupid rules where we wouldn't ever leave somewhere without one of them. So no, you couldn't leave the meal without checking in on the other guy and be like, Hey, you good? Or, or should we stay for you? And they would say, usually a guy would just say, yeah, we're good. Go ahead. Or we wouldn't ever go on the elevator without holding the elevator for somebody like they, I say stupid rules. They were pretty stupid, but they were something that just solidified the bond. And then that made us kind of go out on the ice and, I mean, I felt pl- played a little bit better and were able to read off each other and, you know, did whatever we had to do for, for each other's games. And so that that's something that could be really good. And maybe we don't see the impact, you know, instantly, but down the road, you know, three, four, five years, if that group stays together, that's something that that's going to go a long way. So yeah, I just like to see them play a little bit more. You know, I'd like to see them get a little bit more ice, have some opportunity and, you know, it's still early in the year, so you you have the ability to you know, make a few mistakes, and you know you don't want to give away any games. But you know, let let the young guys get their feet wet, and, and you know take a little bit of uh, you know take a few minutes away maybe from some of those big guys that have to log you know twenty plus minutes, sometimes more, um, just to you know just to get through these games. Yeah, well, we'll we'll find out if Peter Laviolette is one of our our listeners if if these guys start getting more ice time. But that's what I, <laughs> as a young player, how do you earn the coach's trust? Because it, it, there's no secret the, the last couple of years of Peter Laviolette, he's been leaning on the guys he trusts. The and and especially that fourth line of Hagelin, Dowd, and Hathaway when it was together, and, and just guys who've been in the league for a while. He he's, and Alex Ovechkin's playing a ton of minutes right now because you got all these kids in the lineup. How do you, as a young player, get a veteran coach's trust? Yeah, so I think there's probably two ways. You know, one one way is you you produce like crazy. You know, that's and that's really hard to do as a young guy. So you got um, you know players that will come in and just light the lamp up all the time. You know, uh, we'll go back to, to Matthew Perot. He came and I don't know the exact numbers. I'm sure we can find them. Obviously, there he came up and I think he had like seven points in his first five games, something like that. And I remember he called me and Carly. We asked him how things were going. And he joked and said, is there, is there a better league that I can get called up to? Because this is too easy right now. And we were all dying laughing. 
because you know it's it's hilarious you never expect to to start off your career like that but so you can do that and produce like crazy and then you end up you know sticking around a little bit more but the 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 main thing is being responsible you want the coach to be able to count on you by listening to what they say so if they say okay today we're going to be we're going to be dumping in soft chips every single every single time you get the puck we're soft chipping in the strong side corner you know so i'm i'm coming up to the red line and that puck is going in deep and it's staying away from the goalie that way we can establish our forecheck and then you go out there and you do that every single time or make sure you don't as a centerman this is these are like x's and o's of the game make sure that you know you don't have your centerman get above you so get on the offensive side of you because if a puck you know gets banked off the board or squeaks past you then we got an odd man rush so if you're told that by your coach they want to see that you're listening and that you're able to do that and and that's how you earn the trust of a coach and and they'll feel better about putting you into those situations so you know th- those are details of the game and sometimes they seem tedious they're not fun you want to score goals and take shots but this is how you know you know, we used to say that games are like chess matches you know you wh- whenever a team comes in and, and just constantly throws that puck in behind me every single time you know then I start cheating a little bit to you know I don't have gaps that are as good and I'm giving them a little bit more space and then come the third period or even second period next thing you know that team is taking advantage of that extra three four feet that I've given them because I'm expecting them to dump pucks in so as a young guy you just need to listen and you need to execute the game plan and if you can put up points then that obviously helps but being responsible uh, you know I think that's what has kept a lot of guys in the league for for a really really long time that haven't necessarily produced on the score sheet and and that that would be my game plan as a young guy yeah and and eventually these guys are, are going to have to play more and Hendricks Lapierre got sent back to to the queue i think the capitals it was pretty clear that given it was it was a nice kind of cameo for him uh, to, but he needs to play games and 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 given that that Brett Leeson now has, has passed him Axel Janssen Fjallby in, in theory has passed him Alexi Protas has passed him Connor McMichael uh, who was a year older seems to have the grip on this, but th- this team is is winning and, and keeping up with everybody right now because of Alex and Alex Ovechkin scoring. I, I I don't know what else to say. New? Do you have anything new to say about Alex Ovechkin scoring? I, I, I it seems like every time it's like okay, let's talk about Alex Ovechkin passing this next guy on the list, and this time it's Brett Hall. Well, yeah, it's because it's so impressive. You know, you always want to talk about something like that. It's 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 amazing to see. You're, you're witnessing history almost every you know every week now with. With who he's who he's passing, he's you know going to pass Brett Hall soon, and then you know he's got the power play goal record coming right up there with uh, Dave Anderchuk. So yep. that's why you talk about him. It's 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 very very impressive. But I think one of the things that that I really like and is is seeing seeing that that Tom is is starting to chip in a little bit more, uh, scoring a couple goals and and just getting getting involved. You know, he's playing a ton ton right now with those two guys, Kuzi and Ovi. So that also helps for sure. But you know, you you need you need you're gonna need scoring from him. You're gonna need scoring from a couple other guys because you know at some point, I guess it's possible that you don't go cold. But at some point, you tip you go cold at least for a little bit, couple of weeks, whatever it is. Um, and then and then when that happens, you know, knock on wood, it's not it's not Ovi and Kuzi. But if they do, you know, who's who's gonna be putting those pucks in? Who who's who's gonna be driving that play offensively? Hopefully, you get Osh back and, and then back at some point here, and and then you you can take a little bit of a sigh of relief, but 
but you, you want guys to be able to, like I said, get those minutes, get some confidence, and then be a little bit more well-rounded because it's you know there, there's good teams that can shut down a line, and and then if that happens, you know who who who's gonna whose number are you gonna call after that? Exactly right. What I'm going to be looking forward to see the next couple of weeks is is how this goaltending situation goes. Ilya Simsonov, Vitek Vanacek, Zach Fukali, and kind of who's going to take the reins here. Uh, Penguins coming up on, on Sunday. Long road trip coming up. We wrap up as we wrap up here, Carl. What are you What are you looking to see out of this team in in the next couple of weeks? Well, I think there's there's some some pretty stiff competition. You know, you got you got uh, the game tonight. The Wings have been playing playing solid. Uh, they got some really really good young exciting players. Um, so that that's something I'm just excited to watch. I think it's it's on a few people's radar. Not not typically the, you know the the rivalry that that you are are as tuned in for, but still still exciting to see. They got Columbus coming right up after that, and they got a lot of really good young players and uh, and you know offensive minded players too. And I think they're sitting at seven and three right now, so no slouch there. And then of course Pitt. I mean that's just a fun game to watch. Obviously everyone's going to be tuned into that, whether or not. They got their full full rosters. It's still still a fun fun game, and and Pitt is I think sitting at the bottom of the division right now. But it doesn't seem to matter with them. They can kind of play from wherever and and still find a way, and, and are always pretty dangerous. So just just watching to see how how the Caps play against you know a little bit stiffer competition, and then you know a good rivalry game. It's it, it's just another it's another test, you know, just to see where they're at mentally and and who can. Who can step up to to support the to support the top line? So, just just some fun hockey. Three games in four nights is tough. So, you know, we'll see if uh, 20, 24 minutes, twenty five minutes a night, uh, the guys can survive in, in three and four. Sure, and 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 that Penguins game is so fun. I, I've got Tom Brady in town uh, with against the Washington Football Team on Sunday. I'll be racing from from FedEx Field in Landover to the game to be able to watch. Uh, hope what I, we hope is is Sidney Crosby against Alex Ovechkin for the thousandth time, but we can't get enough of it. Um, uh, thanks, th- thanks again for Carl Carl for doing this for another week, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>